Harrison Price for Tuesday, December 5th, 2023. Coming to you from the GoGo Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. If you're heading to a game, an event, downtown Vancouver, lots going on this time of year. Make it a staycation. Don't drive. Spend a night at the wall. Call the hotel, 604-331-1000. Matt Sikers alongside Blake Price. Great sass hitting switches, conducting things. This show presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Infinity in Richmond. That's it, the Richmond Auto Mall, folks. Look at these fabulous deals. The Q50 luxurious sedan. You can finance from 1.99%, but make no mistake, they want to make sure that you're driving safe during these winter months. No charge winter tires on select trims. How about that? Get thee to the Richmond Auto Mall. It's all good at Applewood Infinity. Poll question. On the two-year anniversary of his departure, does Jim Benning get enough credit for assembling the core of Pedersen, Hughes, Demko, Miller, and Besser? You can vote yes or no at Sikerson Price on Twitter and on YouTube. And I voted no on the narrow question that we're asking. No, he probably doesn't get enough credit for assembling that core. Overshadowed by some draft misses, of course, for Tan and Ulevi. Overshadowed by some horrible trades, Oliver ekman Larson and Eric Goodbranson come to mind. Terrible cap management and signings as well. Mm-hmm. It was clear that Jim Benning was not up to the entirety of the Exercise. task yes. uh, of being a National Hockey League general manager in today's day and age, a salary cap era. Uh, But simply looking at the club as it's constituted now and who is driving a fifth, what are they, 15, eight and one, 16, eight and one record. It's the guys who were added on his watch. And I know some will say, oh, he wanted Cody Glass over Patterson and that's reared its head again recently with Trevor Linden's comments and that, oh, it was all Judd Brackett, and that, oh, he interjected and wanted Vertanen and Ulevi personally. But here's the thing. When you're the ultimate decision maker at the draft table, you get credit for the successes, you take responsibility for the failures, regardless of what the underlings and the deputies are advising at the table. They make recommendations. You as the GM make decisions. So, yeah. I uh, I voted no. I th- don't think he gets quite enough credit for the uh, core. Patterson was no slam dunk where they took him. Besser was no slam dunk where they took him. No, Besser might be the best bit of work at number 23 mm-hmm. as it stands now. Demko, although, too, in the second round. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's uh, enough misses, though, obviously, that are going to color this. I mean, oh, by, sure. by virtue of not being a good team builder, a to- total manager, yeah. You know, he got a lot of at-bats in really good spots. And when you whiff on Ole Uwilevi at number five overall, when you whiff on on Jake Vertanen um, in the number six slot, those are big, loud misses. Mm-hmm. And when you, you, you finally go out in your last two trips to the draft, and you might say, oh, it's too early, but it doesn't look like anybody in the 2020 draft is going to play a game in the NHL. Like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm saying I don't think anybody is playing a game. That's the Yermo. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Trust no first, no fir- I mean, no first, no second, right? So. And then the 2021 draft, his final one, I might say the same thing. Like, it, it's it's Danila Klimovich mm-hmm. 
and and Aku Koskin Vuo are the two options for him there. Mm-hmm. But to go back to back drafts without anybody touching ice in the league, right? Holy cats! Well, first of all, it's amazing he did get the number of at bats he did. I think with a lot of managers, they would have been right removed well before Jim Benning was ultimately removed. Also, as we know, Blake, we there's an owner in particularly when Jim was here, who just wanted to play NHL GM himself. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of cases, he was executing what ownership wanted him to do. Only they know the degree of that. We know that it's a factor. I mean, in the draft and, and floor, then, God, if, if there's you know, no, trades, they, no. I could I could yes. see them in weighing right. in on trades. But on the draft floor, oh, for sure. Less Trade, so. Yeah, but, I mean, trades are where the regime fell down. Yeah. Well, I have free agent acquisition. Think mm-hmm. of the contracts handed out in free agency. Oh, boy. Yeah. Berchi for a second. Yikes. McCannon a second for Gerbranson. Hey. Ekman Larson and Garland for a first and second. On and on it went. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing, uh, the other thing that I think also, and we are not going to rehash the entirety of the Jim Benning regime here. But the other thing that I think needs to be shouted here a little bit is that just when the organization, when the roster, when the team had its biggest success, and of course, speaking of the bubble playoffs in 2020 and winning the play-in round, beating the defending Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues, and then taking the Vegas Golden Knights to seven games. Just when the organization was coming off its biggest successes, once again, the hand of ownership on the scale. They turned the taps off financially, fearing all the lost revenues, and you're not able to re-sign Markstrom and Tanef and Toffoli and keep some of that group together. Uh, I'm sure that's something or something that when, you know, Benning, Benning sitting by the fireside, you know, snifter of brandy in his hand, dog at his feet, that he mutters to himself about, right? Like if he, they had a, had an ap- opportunity to build off the momentum and keep some of those players around, what would the team have looked like in the Canadian division? Would it have fallen as flat? Well, you're going to hear it later on with John Shannon. I mean, it may be to their detriment. Chris Tanev sticking around might have helped the Canucks almost too much to take away the draft pick slots that they even ended up getting. Like, does Chris Tanev keep this team, you know, in the 80s for points during all these years that he's left? They traded those draft picks anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, because of the desperation and how far they look like they were out of it. Uh, I just think it's a if you take away the Chris Tanev uh, departure, what does this team look like, and what yeah. might they have not done? What might they have done? Uh, who knows? But you, it is unbelievable the manner in which teams are talking about Chris Tanev right now, mm-hmm. like he is a savior, and this is years removed from the Canucks deducing. He's probably too old for us to take another run at him. And now he's still going to well, get paid. Well, they weren't just deducing that, though. They were going, he's too expensive. For his age. 
Yeah, that was the. I mean, if he was 26, I don't think anybody would have batted an eyelash at paying the guy. But except they didn't pay anybody that offseason. No, nobody. They ran out of time. <laughs> they did. That's what they said. Hughes Bowl at Rogers Arena on Tuesday. New Jersey Devils to face the Vancouver Canucks. First of a five-game homestand. And as we talked about yesterday, some pretty decent opponents on this homestand. Devils have underachieved this year, but Minnesota's got some momentum after the coaching change. Carolina and then the Florida teams come in here next week. And, of course, Roberta Luongo's Ring of Honor night when the Panthers come to town. Uh, Kuzmenko is going to play, or start at least, with Miller and Besser. Lafferty's going to keep that fine real estate at the top with Pedersen and Mikheyev. We are going Twin Towers again. Nikita is a Doroff's home debut as a Vancouver Canuck. And as Jeff noted on the show yesterday, Monday, as well as on Twitter, Jack is 5-1 and one versus brother Quinn in the all-time Hughes Bowl, and we add Luke to the proceedings this year, the fine rookie defenseman of the New Jersey Devils, who might be the one challenger to Connor Bedard for NHL Rookie of the Year. I wonder, honestly, if they if he brings it up. I would At this point, I would, just as a, like a, as a little playful prod to my who teammates. It up? Quinn, guys. I'd really yeah, my brother's you're the captain five, now. My brother's five and one against me. Yeah, exactly. I don't need to hear about it yes. at Christmas this year. Like you don't say it in a serious manner, but you yeah. you, th- you put it exactly. out there just so that they know. Especially you're the captain now, right? You have to manufacture outrage. You have to manufacture slights real and perceived. It's eighty two games. Mm-hmm. Find something to get you going exactly. a little extra in every game. And if I'm Quinn Hughes, I'm thinking, you know what? We just came off another yeah. bounce back game. How do we get you know, or, if you've just lost, getting up for the next game shouldn't be that hard. But you just won, and it was a decent game. How do you stop yourself from patting yourself on the back for that and manufacturing it right there? You say, guys, come on. Or if you feel it's a little too self-serving to do it personally, that's an appropriate thing for a captain and a head coach to talk about, right? Or get, an, get your assistant to collaborate with you and, and bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, talk. Can I talk to you for a second? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's that, Quinn? My brother's five and one against me all the time. <laughs> now the younger one's coming into this rivalry. I can't you let know? him get that on yeah. me too. Yes. Let's have some fun with that in the pregame talk, huh? So looking forward to the game. Incidentally, speaking of uh, next week in Tampa coming to town, Nikita Kucherov has now extended to a six-point lead over J.T. Miller. In the NHL scoring race, it's an eight-point lead over Quinn Hughes, and it's a ten-point lead over Elias Pettersson. Um, we may be waving goodbye to the Art Ross Trophy here in this town if this keeps up. And the Norris is at risk too with McCark catching Quinn Hughes, mm-hmm. so that's a dead heat of thirty-four points apiece. Word from the Board of Governors meeting in Seattle. Before we before we oh, leave this yeah. and the Norris, we should mention how do you feel about Ronick leaving the top power play unit because game day skate they did some power play yeah, again and um, I quite liked the the cannon mm-hmm. threat of of Ronick Kuzi back by the put, way put it put it this way I I think I think both versions of power play one should have their successes 
And I would not be at least the least bit surprised if we are going to see this sort of flip-flop for the rest of the year. Yeah. That there will be times, perhaps it's goalie-related, perhaps it's penalty kill formation-related, where Talkit, Yo, and the staff look at it and go, tonight we're better off having that big cannon at the back with Philip Ronick. And other nights where they look at it and go, you know what? A uh, fox in the box poacher of goals like Kuzmenko down low is our better, is our better schematic. You 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 rob from the power play two squad if you bring Ronick in because I don't like anybody else on that team manning a power play. If you get Ethan Bear back in the fold, I think Ethan Bear can run mm-hmm. up the second power play in it. But right now, like Myers, really no. I gotta say though, um, power play twos have just been diminished across the league huh they play so ir- infrequently now yeah. in comparison well i really like this t- like it used to be a thing that your second power play was all over the boards reasonably quickly but you know now when we're looking at the efficiency of minutes for players they're easy minutes to play yeah. and they're offensive opportunities and coaches have absolutely skewed towards given that first unit the lion's share of the two minutes. A hundred percent. And I fully agree with it. Like, and every NHL player, oh, this will, is good analytics. Like yeah. this is informed by analytics. This is uh, one of the areas where people crunching the numbers have changed the game. And fans should like it because it keeps the stars out there longer uh, for in, sure in the, in for the sure. opportune spots, it's right? Win, so, win, win, really. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, and you know, even when the most of the, unit, I've made reference to this before, even when most of the unit does change, Quinn's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Quinn often stays out there and gets a little taste of power play too as well. And you know what? It's Quinn freaking Hughes. No yeah. one should be Andre complaining. Andre Kuzmanko's not allowed to do that. No, no. Quinn Hughes is allowed to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, I know some fans think it's a democracy at the pro level. There's an example that it isn't. Yeah. One guy's going to get different treatment than the other. Why? Well, he's more important. It's just that simple. Salary cap going up next year. So right now they're estimating $87.7 million. This from the Board of Governors meetings in Seattle Monday. So it's 83.5 this year. So it's an additional $4.2 million in space, and that's not a hard number. That could move a little bit in either direction. See how revenues do for the remainder of the season and through the Stanley Cup playoffs. So it would render the Vancouver Canucks. We had already been working off this number the couple of times we had cited the Canucks cap situation for 23, uh, sorry, for 24-25, talking about 30 million. So it's about 31 million in space for the Vancouver Canucks. As we know, if they're re-signing Elias Pettersson and Philip Ronick, they are going to eat the lion's share of that, probably two-thirds of it. But it was good to just hear the league come out with a number. One of the things that Blake and I have been critical of in the past, and and look, I fully understand it's based on hockey-related revenue, and so you don't necessarily have an exact number. But it just seems like there was cloak and dagger stuff from the league on this number in the years past, whereas managers are making decisions right now, today, and have been for some time that will be significantly affected by where the cap limit is. I mean, remember we heard last year about, you know, managers thinking, oh, yeah, well, the player's debt is going to be paid off or mostly paid off via the 
pandemic, and so we're going to get back to a increase of the salary cap of more than just $1 million for this coming season. Didn't happen. And it's made it exceedingly difficult to manage and make the sort of decisions when you don't actually know what your budget is yeah. going forward. So I was pleased to see that. More often than not, the governors that get together, there's not much that pleases me that come out of those meetings, but I was pleased to hear that. Uh, I I am glad that it's in advance. Uh, I was hoping it would be a million more, but I was skeptical they could get it to that. It could still be, though. It could. It's not written in stone. Uh, this is where the equation is, is leading them. I mean, it could theoretically go the other way, a titch more, too. Um, but I think yeah. we'll- the bottom falls out of the Leafs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, gosh, you never the good know. news is the Rangers are doing very well. Those will be some very high revenue gates if they go three or four rounds in the cup playoffs. Well, on a related story, the Athletics just did a, a, a piece on attendance. Uh, only four clubs are seeing a decrease in attendance, and I think three are static because they're so, they're just sold out. Um, but everybody else has seen an increase in attendance, yeah. and several by several thousand, which is pretty. Impressive. The other big news coming out of the BOGs is the NHL draft has been finalized for the Sphere in Vegas for June 28th and 29th, and they've said this is the last one of its kind. Oh, so everyone's going to be on the floor. Yeah. It's Fantastic. A, it's a regular draft one last Fantastic. time, and then they're going to decentralize and do it all remotely yep. for the next one. Well, and let's enjoy this last one on the floor. GMs talking to each other on the floor. Like they whined and bitched and complained about, oh, the fans are are watching us do our business. Yeah, guys. You're an entertainment enterprise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The one thing that hockey people forever have to be reminded of. And and, and today. You you don't exist for the purpose of playing 60-minute games on a sheet of ice. You exist for the purpose of. Of entertaining the fifteen to twenty thousand in the arena, and the hundreds of thousands or millions watching at home. But also, that's what makes with you today's guys technology, go. Matt. Like it is so easy to have well, exactly. a discreet conversation going. Exactly. Like either by Send message or phone. Like exactly. Sit at your table. Don't move. Send a text. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And and, and fans like the theater of it all, and I don't blame them. And the other thing is, you're unique. All the other leagues do it that way. Mm -hmm. You had a draft that was different, that was more participatory. Anyways. If it greases the skids for more uh, fireworks at the draft, because I've been a little bit disappointed about the fireworks. For sure. If that's what happens, if they decentralize, then by all means, they've Mm -hmm. hit it right. But that's, that's the only way that it's redeemed. Speaking of fireworks... Wouldn't necessarily call it fireworks, but you're talking trades here. Yeah. Victorious Tyson Berry seeking Mm -hmm. a trade from the Nashville Predators. And what's this about Philip Broberg? Yeah, apparently on the block. So this is Kevin Weeks. So this is is Ken Holland and the Edmonton Oilers saying, Phil Broberg, we ain't got time to bleed. You were the eighth overall pick in the 2019 draft, a big left-shot defenseman out of Sweden. You've played 79 NHL regular season games and 10 games in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You are still not a regular on our roster, at least not a regular enough, to consider you part of the core right now. 
perhaps you could still be, perhaps you can still get to that point. But there's been enough failure to launch here, and the Oilers have had a poor enough start with so much ground to make up that here we are dealing somebody who, for some, will be a future asset because he does have to sort of establish himself. Yep. To see if they can get immediate help, and likely on the goal prevention side of things, either a goaltender or another defense. They say they want a player back, likely in a similar situation. So says Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff. Um, I mean, I, I'd be curious. They don't have any cap space, so they need a similar number coming back the other way. If the Canucks were in on this trade, and there's no evidence of that, you know, are they Elias Pettersson? from the Canuck side, and I'm talking DPD, or do you think a guy like Christian Willannon, who could help them in the immediate, would be more their want if you wanted to pull something like this off? Do you think they want mm. a like-aged player, a young player for the future, or a guy that might be able to plug uh, into the lineup and help I, them now? I, I'm just not sure the Canucks get anywhere near this. Do you think they're still going to be asking for something like a substantial prospect? No, so? I, I just... Robrick? Really? Eighth overall pick. I mean, you just made a trade for a big left shot defenseman. You going to want another one who hasn't really established himself as an NHLer? I think mm-hmm. you'd, you'd make the decision. We're going to acquire this player and have him in the minors for two years, and then we'll see what happens. They're not getting one of Zgras, Boldy, York, Caulfield, Newhook, or Harley, who are all taken after. Right. Broberg. It's a pretty good group. Broberg stands out like a sore thumb there. Oh, well, and, you know, we just had the betting discussion, right, of missing on top ten well, picks. Colson, yeah. At, at, at what point, though, Matt, do you look at that Edmonton organization and say some of this is development fault? Could, could well be as well. You know, like, is it in a vacuum that Broberg has been bad, or does the, it, do the Oilers take some blame here? And uh, Grady brings up a good point. Puck Colson could be another top ten miss. We'll see where that goes. Yeah, yeah. I hope that's not the case, but mm-hmm. until he has, he hasn't. Right. Uh, no, I, I would be very surprised if the Canucks come anywhere near this. What I'm going to be interested is just like, what do the, what do the now, Oilers think Barry, that this guy's worth? Uh, uh, yeah, so am I. And what does the league think he's worth? I would bet, though, that they're moving now because there's probably a few teams out there that still believe in Phil Brown. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. There would be a time... You know, if this language is too long, you get to the point where it's a... Well, some Oilers fans are already saying this is too late. Yeah, and it could all could well be the case. But the interesting thing is the Oilers are saying they do not want picks, according yeah, to Sarah Valley. But here, what I'm saying is I would bet it's not 31 for 31 unanimous that this guy can't play. And right, no, for sure. I would bet there are some out there that are going, yeah, that's interesting enough. It seems to me, as for, I, I don't you remember at that draft, I thought Broberg was more projected sort of as a 12th kind of pick overall. I thought he was a handful of, of picks above where most people had him. Well, Cider was kind of a surprise at six. I remember thinking that Broberg might have even been the first defenseman off the board. I know there was Soderstrom. Some were talking about him as well. Mm. As for Barry, look, he does not necessarily meet the size or profile, I think, that Tockett foot Gonchar at all 
are looking for on that right side. But his ability to help a power play is unquestioned. He is a right shooter. He is a BC kid. If Nashville's just giving him away and is willing to eat some of the salary, is that something you go near? I need to know what the number was because you know that you've well, got... He's making four or five. Yeah. But... So if Nashville's willing to eat 50%, you're getting them at two and a quarter for not a lot of return. Who's better defensively, Ethan Bear or Tyson Bear? Well, it's Ethan Bear. Yeah. It's Ethan Bear significantly. They don't need Tyson Berry. No, I don't think so. Now, Dante Fabro, on the other hand. Well, he's not available, or at least he's not as He was scratched available. at times. Yeah, but he seems season. to have found his way mm-hmm. back into the lineup now. So Then there's Canucks prospect right shot defenseman Hunter Bristevich, still smarting from his exclusion on the World Junior hockey roster for Team USA. And one of the things that we didn't mention yesterday about this that we probably should have is this was a kid who was in the national team development program and left for the Canadian CHL. And I know, and I've heard others now twist themselves into knots trying to defend USA hockey and this exclusion, talking about how Lane Hudson's going to run their power play, talking about how they have other right-shot defensemen who are offensively inclined. Hey, fair enough. But the kid earned it and wasn't rewarded. And you're you're bringing ten guys to camp anyway, so you're bringing guys to camp that you exactly. know aren't making the team so anyway. Why not just give them an opportunity? Yeah. Another thought out there was he was such like a late riser that he wasn't even on their radar to begin with. So yeah. you weren't you, adaptable enough you, to take the yeah. first two yeah. months no, or three months of the I, season I, I into agree. account. Like, well, I, and, I, and also he's a, he's also not so far off their radar. He was in the program. Like they know who he is. Yeah. He, if you're completely off the radar, or have never been in the program, and you do what he's done. Okay, maybe. Right. But he's in. They know exactly who he is. And he's wearing red, white, and blue. Come on, on his junior team. <laughs> Canadian roster is out for the World Junior Camp selection camp. Just four British Columbians. That's not a particularly great number for our. Although province. maybe Macklin can double as two or three. Macklin Celebrini is there, as we talked about earlier. What Monday? Uh, Tanner Molendyke is a first-round pick of the Nashville Predators with the Saskatoon Blades from McBride, British Columbia. He's the defenseman. You have Fraser Minton from Vancouver, also with the Saskatoon Blades, Toronto's second-round pick, Mm -hmm. who hung with the Leafs into the NHL season this year. Bit of a darling, yes. Yeah, so good on him. And then Matthew Wood, Nanaimo's Matthew Wood, another Nashville first-round pick out of the University of Connecticut. And, in fact, he and uh, Macklin Celebrini are the two NCAA players who have received invites to this Canadian World Junior Camp. Uh, Some interesting names on this list. Four first-round defensemen, Oliver Bonk, Radix Kid. Molendyke, we mentioned, Maverick Lamaru, Arizona first-rounder. Denton Matejchuk of Moose Jaw, Columbus first-round pick. Uh, the forward ranks chock-a-block with first-round picks. You not only have Wood, you got Brendan Yeager, Pittsburgh first-rounder in Moose Jaw. You got Matt Savoy, Buffalo first-round pick. 
playing in the uh, with the new franchise in Wenatchee, the WHL. Connor Geeky, a first-round pick, also with Wenatchee, an Arizona first-rounder. Nate Danielson, the Detroit ninth overall pick from this past draft. Easton Cowan, a surprise first-rounder for the Toronto Maple Leafs out of the London program on this team. And you have some 24 draft-eligible guys as well, Blake, or in some cases guys who have been passed over, but headlined, of course, by Macklin Celebrini who I suspect will make this team. Yeah, you know, I'm of two minds here when you look at the lack of BC um, kids on this team, and yet we've just had this unbelievable influx. of Those that we do graduate are the high-end ones. Really high-end ones. So which Mm -hmm. would you rather, uh, quality or quantity? Mm -hmm. Um, I think we can go with quality right now. Once again, you look at the goaltending here and go, okay, two goalies passed over in the draft. A seventh rounder and a fifth rounder will go to camp in Oakville to determine who are the guys you're taking over to Sweden. Yeah, we seem to be late bloomers. Like we talked (laughs) about this already in the NHL, like who's the next Team Canada goalie? And we were really worried about it until we look at there are a bunch of Canadians in the top 10 and all the goalie stats right now. It's just they're not household names, really. So maybe we're just slow. Uh, Connor Ingram, a former World Junior, by the way, is, is having quite a season. Want to spend a minute on the Arizona Coyotes because there was also a report coming out of the Board of Governors meeting yesterday that there is a parcel of land in the Phoenix area. Darren Dreger reporting, finalizing the purchase of a piece of land in Phoenix for an arena build. They're hoping to announce project plans next month. Long way to go here, particularly with this ownership group. So by no means is this the eureka moment to keep the Coyotes in the desert. But Blake, they've won five in a row. As Jeff Merrick points out, they've beaten the last five Stanley Cup champions. Those five wins have come over Vegas, Colorado, Tampa Bay, St. Louis, and Washington. That's funny. So well done. Connor Ingram's been brilliant. They've given up five goals in those games. Yeah. Yeah, that's And Friedman Elliott had them interested in Noah Hannafin. Of the Calgary Flames. Well, Sean Dersey got injured last night, too. So the Coyotes are all in. They're buyers. With loads and loads of draft capital. It's funny. The Canucks haven't seen them yet this year. They, they, you see that they're like five games above 500? Mm-hmm. Like, that's nice start. No, it's, <laughs> yeah, look, that's very nice start. That's pretty damn good. Wild card two, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Possible. Possible. On to football. Trevor Lawrence has a high ankle sprain, the Jacksonville Jaguars announced today. Now, head coach Doug Peterson said he wasn't going to put him in a box and rule him out for this weekend, but typically high ankle sprains are, are not good usually. Yeah. Injuries. CJ Beathard comes off the bench last night, completes nine of 10 passes. Great throw to Calvin Ridley for a 43 yard gain down to the two yard line, a last wiped out by penalty. Took two sacks and fumbled. And Jacksonville loses on their home field to the Cincinnati Bengals and backup quarterback Jake Browning. The former UW Husky goes 32 of 37 for 354, a touchdown, no turnovers. Where in the hell was that? astonishing a fantastic monday night primetime game that goes to overtime has great drama has points blake 
which Monday night games have not had of late. Well, the moment wasn't too big for Browning. He uh, no. he figured it out. Well, and and nor Bethard either in the second half. Like that was pretty good. And yet we hear, and of course Jacksonville misses a chance to tie Miami and Baltimore at nine and three atop the AFC. And just when you thought Cincinnati was going away without Joe Burrow, meh, maybe they. Uh, I think Bethard was terrible, and I think they should never start him ever again. <laughs> but the big question now is. Bethard's a bit of a journeyman. He's been in the NFL a while. I don't think anybody has ever looked at C.J. Bethard since his Iowa days and said, that's a starting quarterback. He's the Rourke, yeah, he's Rourke has potential to be a starting quarterback. Would it not be delicious if Nathan Rourke rides to the rescue here of the Jacksonville Jaguars and leads them into the playoffs? I think we're going to need to see a poor performance or two from Bethard. For that to take place. Well, the good news is, is but that- you got five games left. I th- suspect that Lawrence is going to miss several of them, if not the lot of them. Well, Matt, next weekend, like let's just assume Lawrence is out this weekend. I, I would think so. So Rourke's dressed. He's on the he's on the sidelines. Yeah. If Bethard has a terrible first half, do you trot Bethard out in the second half? Who are they playing? Uh, Jacksonville has got the Browns. Okay. In Cleveland. So, you tell me. First half is terrible. They got three points on the board. Mm -hmm. Do they give Beathard the start in the second half? I would would think that he's probably going to get at least a full game, yes. Uh, just a guess, but I would think that they ride Bethard for at least a full game. They have a game of leash at eight and four. Dropping to eight and five right. on the road is not the end of the world right. for them. And what's it? Do you have the standings in front of you? Or since Houston's seven and five, and Indianapolis six and six, is that where the stakes are? Houston and Indy are both seven, and, both five. seven and five. Yeah. So you got a one game lead over two teams. Yeah, eh, maybe Blake. I mean, you ain't got a lot of time to bleed there either. And the Colts are winners of four in a row. Mm-hmm. And they've got the Bengals, the beating the Bengals. Now, the Bengals showed well there, but, you know, mm-hmm. that's uh, it's going to be interesting. Hope I, I just I want to see Nathan Rourke play a half. So do I. I want to, well, yeah. I want to, I you know, like to prove himself. Like, get, like actually the him, chance. I want to see him uh, more than that. Well, of course, but you got to walk before you run. What I'm saying is, you know, getting a, a few snaps at the end of a game, that's not mm-hmm. what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for a cameo. I want actual snaps. I want to shout out and say thank you to our dear friends at Northlands Golf Course. Gary, Curtis, Steve, Mike, all the marshals and starters, Ed, Paul, Rob, Michael, Chris, Jim, Back Nine, Larry, Val, Rob, Heinrich. Fantastic grounds crew there, led by Steve Haggard, Rob Fetched, Maddie Tanner, Chris Ryan Jordan, and others. Matt, they uh, kind enough to invite us to their holiday party last night at uh, One Under on Granville. A great time was had by all. The food was sensational. The drink was flowing, and uh, everybody in a fantastic mood. Some terrific. Speeches that hit you right in the heart, like oh, yeah, last night from Gary and Steve and Curtis. So, hit you like a wayward drive well, off the you opposition. Could just tell team. how appreciative what management of the golf course was of the entirety of the staff and that everybody turned up to 
they seem like a, a crew yes, that gets along pretty very, well. Very, very uh, proud and of our longstanding association with Northland. So good time was had by all. Thanks for the invite, fellas. Let's get to today's menu. It is brought to you by Greta. It's down on Cordova. Fantastic spot to catch the game throughout the season, the playoffs, place to chill in the off season. We'll talk to John Shannon, Tuesday regular. A lot of topics with John. The Hughes brothers, Benning, we look back at his resume, the salary cap of what's going on, the Jacob Markstrom injury in Calgary, World Juniors talk, his take on Zadorov, Chris Tanev, Arizona Coyotes come up there as well. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter featuring sexual moanings and flatulence. Mm, sounds interesting. And we'll leave it at that. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. Two months into the season, the Vancouver Canucks have the best defensive pairing in the NHL and the biggest pairing in the NHL. Tidy bit of business from GM Patrick Alvin and and the front office, given where this team was uh, just two months ago. You'll remember the hand-wringing after Carson Soucy got injured in that final preseason game, and we all wondered who would play with Quinn Hughes and would their defensive depth hold up? Turns out Philip Ronick was the answer to play Hughes' right side. They were the last pair in the league to surrender a goal this season. They ranked second as of Tuesday in Corsi 4 at 55.43, according to naturalstattrick.com. And they, their combined 59 points make them the highest-scoring defensive duo. But it was the acquisition of Nikita Zadorov last week that now give the Canucks a second pairing of fascination. Tyler Myers is six foot eight, two hundred and twenty nine pounds, and Zadorov is six foot six, two forty eight. Together, this twin towers duo has the ability to eat space and skate. As both move better than their massive frames suggest, that ups the ante for head coach Rick Tockett, who has expressed a preference for size on defense, especially when considering the off season additions of Ian Cole, six one two twenty five, and Carson Susie, six five two zero eight. For Tockett and other hockey men, size matters. Bottom line, Canucks have done a remarkable job improving an area of the club that has been a longstanding weakness. And there's the potential for even further improvement. They managed to sign free agent Ethan Bear later this month. It's welcome out for today. We invite your feedback. Feedback channel says follows on email live at secaresonprice.com. You can text Seven seven eight four zero two ninety six eighty. The Great Clips text message inbox on the Great Clips text message inbox. There we go. On Twitter, I'm at Sakaris at Sakaris and Price, and the welcome out a presentation of Great Clips, your local Great Clips, proudly Canadian owned and operated. I've mentioned that both of these players are faulty players. Mm-hmm. Leaf chimed in in the inbox saying, "You think you just came up with a name for the pairing, the faulty." Towers. Yeah, they don't stick. If it doesn't work, faulty towers. Love it.
Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. We'll do some hashtags here, the best and worst of X. And it's brought to you by VGH Millionaire Lottery, where you've got until midnight Friday, December 8th to get in on the VGH Millionaire Lottery Christmas bonus draw, which includes a $40,000 vacation package from Travel Best Bets or a 2023 Hyundai Elantra Luxury Hybrid or $33,000 cash. With your VGH Millionaire Lottery tickets, you get in to win one of the 10 grand prize options, including home packages in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland, the Okanagan, Vancouver Island. You can take $2.7 million in tax-free cash. Don't forget to get your 50-50 plus tickets. Win half of BC's biggest jackpot. It can grow to $2.4 million. Look, we all need VGH, and VGH needs you. Every ticket purchased supports VGH and UBC Hospital Foundation. And with your Millionaire Lottery tickets... You're supporting more than just hospital care. You're supporting you and your loved ones who need it most. Order your tickets toll-free, 1-888-445-5825, in person at London Drugs or online at millionairelottery.com. Must be 19-plus to play. Know your limits. Play within it. You said that this is the best and worst of X. In that unhinged Elon Musk interview uh, last week, even he called it Twitter in the interview. yeah. If you are still calling it Twitter. You know what? I'm going to just keep calling it Twitter.com. And that's what it is. Even he was doing it. Like, my God, how bad is your rebrand when you can't even remember to call it the right thing? Well, but didn't he call the interviewer? Didn't he say, yes. my good friend Jonathan yeah. or something? Yeah, he's like, I'm Andrew. That's <laughs> so good. At Champions Tour, looking to make history. Longtime Major League Baseball pitcher and Hall of Famer John Smoltz competes for a pro golf career on the Champions Tour this week at the final stage of Q School. The top five finishers will earn status for 2024. How good was that Atlanta pitching trio back in the day of Smoltz, Glavin, and Maddox? So good that cranky old Bobby Cox used to let them bring their golf clubs on the team charter. And, of course... Wasn't Glavin really good at golf, too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Glavin was drafted as a hockey player. Yes. Glavin was a hell of an athlete. Yeah. Uh, Maddox is from Las Vegas, so he grew up playing golf. And, um, yeah, I mean, two of the five days, uh, none of them were pitching, right? So, Chicks dig the long ball, one of the best ads ever. Remember that one? Mm Mm-hmm. The, the three of them are taking batting practice because they were convinced the chicks dig the long ball. This is ah. during McGuire and Sosa's sort of, yeah, it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. At Butcher Gross, emphasis on gross. <whistles> Farts are the undisputed giggle champion. They haven't lost their powers. Do you see this? No. A scrum around. Tampa goaltender Andre Vasilevsky after they beat the Dallas Stars, and this is after Dallas beat them 8-1 on Saturday. He gets asked a question about his mindset. He begins to answer. Then the whole scrum hears flatulence. He starts to laugh. Reporters start to laugh. Answer interrupted. He then asks, what was the question again? And he goes, right, right, mindset. Lost track of... Was it himself? No, don't believe it was uh, Andre proper. No, no. Believe it was some scrum gerbil. 
Oh, you think so? I think oh, it was wow. media. I mean, it's, Another reason it's to blame loud. The media. It's loud enough on the microphones that it was somebody in quarters there. Somebody old with lactose intolerance that just couldn't. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a. Uh, maybe it was a teammate pulling a prank. More yeah, pranks could here. Could have been. In a, in that's a what. That's where my wine went. But. I mean, I. Uh, I didn't stop to get to the uh, <clears throat> bottom of it all, Blake. Which Canucks media member most likely to fart in a scrum? Well, the scrums don't really exist anymore. Post-game interview. Moji's been showing up at some of these post-games lately. He'd be the clubhouse leader anyway. I don't know if Betway's putting odds on that. but At On3 Sports, breaking Ohio quarterback Curtis Rourke has entered the NCAA transfer portal. On3 has learned... Rourke has thrown for 7,280 yards and 47 TDs the past three seasons for the Bobcats. A little regression year for Curtis York, and yet he's still trying to take advantage of this overwhelming sense of there are no quarterbacks on the planet uh, that is uh, taking over. He had a marvelous year a season ago with 25 touchdown throws and was it four picks, I believe? Uh, Yes, four picks. I mean, those are great numbers. Regressing to 11-5 and this year, which is similar to his freshman year. Um, But, hey, we know that there's not a lot of spectacular quarterbacks out there. Is somebody going to take a chance on him? Well, there's name, image, and licensing money available. I think that's what these college players have learned with this transfer portal overflowing with names. I mean, the Ohio State quarterback is transferring, Blake, and that's not – the starter that's not something you would have seen no much long ago but you know the other schools are out there the head coach of nebraska matt rule the former carolina panthers head coach you know said it flatly last week he said look if we're going to get an upper echelon power five conference quarterback in here it's going to cost us a million million five maybe even two million in name imaging and licensing um money that's where the game is right now and so you enter the transfer portal you see if there's a a school alumni base booster base that's out there willing to pay the piper to have you transfer over i don't really feel bad for the schools matt when they are charging tickets for eighty thousand people to come in yeah no i mean exactly (laughs) feeling bad you know we're uh you know for forever we didn't pay players so yeah you know and sign these massive broadcast deals bringing in billions a lot of administrators got fat so it could be a bit of a big week for or big uh, month at the very least for the Rourke family with yeah. Nathan maybe getting a chance here with the uh, Jags and and Curtis looking for greener pastures. I know you hate li- live golf, but on this narrow point, they are absolutely right. Listen to this at Live Golf Nation. Tiger Woods jumped 430 spots in the official world golf rankings. From 1328 to 898 this week. What did Tiger do for this astronomical increase in official world golf ranking points? He finished 18th out of 20 in a no-cut tournament hosted by himself. This is the Hero World Challenge, and this is the tournament that all the live guys have pointed to and said, if you're awarding official world golf rankings points for that Tournament, which let's face it is a bastardization of a PGA tournament regular tour stop. 
then how is it that we don't get official World Golf Rankings points? 20-player field where the host gets automatic entry? Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I was no cuts? Come on. That, that is not worthy. That, that's something that's gonna, they're going to have to drop if that fight continues, the narrow official World Golf Rankings fight. But the thing is that everybody in this event is a good player. Why do you need to get points for this? Like, they're just there for the money exactly. anyway. Like, you don't need to give the points. No. Like if there's but guy- I, I think that's what Liv points to in terms of process issues with the World Golf Ranking. And, and frankly, I think it's also a hubris issue at the PGA Tour level because, guys, this is an easy one to lop off and go, you know what? Fair point. Mm-hmm. It, it shows you're in bed with the official World Golf Rankings and that you're colluding. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's a one-off. It's the extreme minority. It's an outlier right. event, but still, it's an easy one to deal with as a result. And hey, you know, these. So, how come they didn't? Would be my question. Well, I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Hero World Challenge used to be a slightly larger field. I want to say forty. It was thirty at one point. Yeah, um, and so, still twenty, thirty, forty. It's still not. But it, but back then, when there was no live, there was no reason. Not to like, there was nobody complaining about it. There was no rival to complain about. It. So now that there is, yeah, it probably should be addressed. I mean, but you think it's an invitational? Yeah, well, I mean, there are invitationals. No, but with, that are large with cuts. But you've so got that in and of itself. You've got a hundred PGA Tour pros who aren't allowed to play in this event and don't have any other event they can go play as these guys are earning official World Golf Rankings yeah. points. So, which does have a determination on things like Open Championship inclusion. So. You know, you look at it and go, how can this be? Well, I think early on they tried to lure guys. When it was, again, when the field was bigger, they wanted the PGA Tour points because they wanted to lure people maybe sort of on, you know, not not journeymen, but bubble guys. Mm-hmm. Now if you're if it's only 20 guys, you can get 20 of the best guys. Like it's not, you shouldn't be needing to lure anybody. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think they probably cancel it. I'm out. What do you have? you go? We'll end on this one. At Guardian, the Guardian newspaper in the UK, red faces for UEFA as Euro 2024 draw disrupted by pornographic noises. Boy, I'm I'm big on noises today in my hashtags. (laughs) I'll read from the report. There were no shortage of awkward looks and smirks from the football dignitaries in the crowd, while the likes of Manchester City legend David Silva and Danish football icon Brian Laudrup tried to maintain their composure as they continued to draw the teams despite the odd disruption. Quote, there is some noise here that has now stopped, said draw host and UEFA Deputy General Secretary Giorgio Marchetti after the completion of Group A. No noises anymore, he added later in the broadcast as Group B was drawn. (laughs) Asked if he had heard about the noises after the draw uh, of Group C, which included England. England boss Gareth Southgate told the Press Association, quote, I did. I'm assuming it was some sort of a prank, but it was hard to really make out what it was. Here's the thing, Blake. This isn't the first time a soccer broadcast has been interrupted by moaning and naughty noises. This is a familiar story. Take you back to January. A BBC broadcast of the FA Cup. Wolves and Liverpool. A phone had been taped 
to the back of the match of the day set by an internet prankster who called in to repeatedly trigger the sounds and disrupt the broadcast featuring Gary Lineker, Paul Lynn, Stanley Murphy, panel. It was a panel. and Alan Shearer, yeah. leading to an apology for BBC viewers. YouTube prankster and pitch invader Daniel Jarvis, a.k.a. Jarvo69, was behind that episode. He also revealed himself as responsible for the UEFA, the UEFA incident, posting a live stream of how it happened on his social media accounts. Quote, listen, that was us. That was us. We got it in there. We put the phone in there. We rung it. Sex noise at the Euro 2024 draw. Love you guys. Imagine that being your raison d'etre in life. Got to get porn sounds. Where can I tape a phone yeah. and broadcast porn sounds to the world? And here's the thing. There's not much left in television that's live other than sports. It's the only way to do it now. Sports is the Newscasts, final frontier yeah, okay. of spontaneous porn. We'll see if he has a uh, another prank planned for the tournament. In January, or in June, perhaps. And that's hashtags for today. Sick Harris Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Nissan in Langley has a huge stock of EVs. When's the last time you heard that happen? Remember all those uh, supply things? Nah, not there at Applewood Nissan in Langley. The Nissan Leaf, plenty of them get rates from 5.99% and call yourself a driver of an electric vehicle. All those HOV lanes will be happily speeding by it. The Nissan Leaf, it's all good at Applewood. Poll question today on the two-year anniversary of his departure. Does Jim, does Jim Benning get enough credit for assembling the core of Pedersen, Hughes, Demko, Miller, and Besser? Yes or no? You can vote at Securison Price on Twitter and YouTube. Here he is, Tuesday regular, the former executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada, the co-host of the Bob McCowan podcast, Mr. John Shannon. How are you? Living the dream, boys. Living mm, the dream. Good. Good yeah. to hear. Good review. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just excited for fun. this. I've been fun. Ex- you excited for Devils uh, Canucks in the Hughes Bowl? It will be fun, uh, you know. And, and it, it, we we've seen Brother Axe before, mm-hmm. and I'm old enough uh, to know about Brother Axe, uh, whether there were six or three or whatever. But to me, um, I, I, such a bigger factor is how well all three are playing, and I and mm-hmm. I think that uh, you know we we kind of joked. As a as a as a group uh, at the beginning of the season, suggesting that there uh, you know a a heart, a Norris, and a Calder could be in order, but here we are in the first week of December, and a heart, a Norris, and a Calder could be in order still. Yeah, Jack's going to have to leave the Devils to a little bit of a rally here uh, for for that to happen, but it's totally possible given his points per game is. There's enough the time, Blake. There's yeah, enough yeah. time. Yeah, and, 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 Luke's- and in fact, and in fact, Jack has to be better. Uh, you know, the, if you look at um, you know the start the Devils have had, uh, everybody th- knows they have great potential. Everybody knows what they can do, but their goaltending as a team needs to be better. Uh, defensively, the team needs to improve, and then they need. And then when you look across the Hudson, um, you know the Rangers are playing so well and. 
dare I say it, the Islanders, you know, are playing as a lot better, I think, than a lot of people thought they would. And all of a sudden, the Devils might be the number three team in the uh, in that tri-state area. The uh, the hype around Luke Hughes wasn't quite what it was for Quinn. Are you surprised he's excelled to the point where he is so quickly in his career? I thought he'd get to a top-pairing defenseman, but I thought it might take a few years of development. Um. Well, the fact that the Devils put him in in the playoffs last year, I, I think told you what Tommy Fitzgerald thought about what his upside was. Uh, and the fact that they were able to move a defenseman like Damon Severson out in order to give Hughes a little more playing time, I think tells you, again, the confidence they had in Hughes. And, and they knew that if this team was to progress and be a fast puck-moving team, Luke Hughes had to be a part of it. So I guess the, my, my answer is um, yes, but we shouldn't be because the mm-hmm. devils aren't. Yeah, and, and he's also just a Hughes, <laughs> and they're all pretty yeah. damn good. By so. the way, uh, by the way, we all call them Americans, but you know, and I know they went to I know they went to Michigan. They spent a lot of time in Southern Ontario playing hockey. Mm-hmm. You know, Jimmy Hughes played worked for the Maple Leafs. Uh, you know, they cut their teeth in the famed GTHL. Um, and, and again, Toronto won't get credit for it. Not that it deserves any, but, but Toronto is continuing to create so many bright young hockey players through their minor hockey programs in this city. Well, it's about time. Uh, When I was working back in Ottawa, we used to talk about, boy, if only the GTA would pick it up when it came to elite hockey player. No, it's true. I know Uh, it was a time when, you know, for a city so big and so hockey focused, uh, there wasn't the steady stream of great players. Uh, no, but that is, when you look at when you look at John Tavares, Steven Stamkos, Connor McDavid, there there is a uh, there is a uh, a larger group of kids that grew up in this area. Alex mm-hmm. Petrangelo is one of those guys too. That uh, in the last. 20 years, uh, you yeah. know, things have been pointed in the right direction. Well, honestly, John, it picked up after that loss to Kazakhstan at the World Juniors <laughs> and the uh, ensuing summit or Royal Commission or whatever it was. 1998. Boy. Yeah, 1998. exactly. exactly. Oh, that was, I, I, there, there's some fascinating stories about what's going on around that yeah. one, too. But, but that, that's, that's when we got pal, serious. Uh, that that's was our got... pal Bob Nicholson trying to, trying to create some awareness about what was going on in the game of hockey. That's when we got serious about a uh, skill development. Well, we decided two systems oriented. We need to start allowing uh, these kids to spread their wings and show their skill at minor hockey. Incidentally, since we're on the brothers question trivia, I'm sure Shannon knows. Highest scoring brother duo in NHL history. Is it still Brenton Wayne? It is still Brenton. Well, it has to be. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. It has to be. You know, I mean. Sabine's her second. Does Brent have more points than Keith? Is that why do we always use Brent? Well, I believe Brent made the NHL. Did Keith not make the NHL? I, I thought think, he did. I don't okay. think he did. I don't no, think okay. I'm, I'm gonna ask him tomorrow when I see him. <laughs> um Sedin's our second for a duo because of course when you get into the Stasneys and the Sutters and they have multiples, sure. you know, then you, it gets a little unwieldy. But as duo Well, you remember it was Gordy Howe and his brother for the longest time, that's too. That's right. Well, and of course it it would have been rocket and pocket rocket uh at one point too and and if yeah. anybody beats the richard brothers in terms of stanley cups one we'll not have a possible. story there not, yeah, not possible not possible in today's the the pool of talent back in the day sort of made it a little bit more believable john you know how tough it is to make it to the nhl it's a fraction of a percentage point to the odds it's crazy that 
brothers can do it actually you know mm -hmm. like it, it's absolutely unbelievable well and you have to wonder um how much the other spurring the other on has to do with that exactly you know the age difference between quinn and luke um tells you that you knew luke was watching his older brother his oldest brother and saying i want to be like quinn yeah. more so than anything else and and so it, it it's it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in so many ways of of when you see greatness in your family room and you see him in the basement and you see him out in the driveway mm -hmm. i want to be like quinn yeah and john just gonna put you and everyone there in eastern canada on notice we got another set of brothers coming out of uh -huh. vancouver here I know you know of Macklin Celebrini, who's going to be the first pick yeah, next, next year. year. Absolutely. His older brother, Aiden's a Canucks draft pick, a defenseman at Boston University. And then they have an 11-year-old brother, RJ, uh, named after his dad, Rick, who is um, – well, he's got a five-goal game and a four-goal game this week. Early this uh, – Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's all, it's all. 11 years old, so that's, a, that's the draft of 2030. Boys, I'll be – that. Boys, about that. You watch boys, it. I'll be on a beach. <laughs> I'm going to be on a beach. I won't be worried about as much as I think the Celebrini boys are going to be great. I will admire them as a fan. But I think you yeah. should get some clicks right now, John. You could put out John's list, beat Craig to it, and do the 2030 <laughs> draft class. There you go. Just scoop button. It, yeah. it'll, it'll, oh. And really, you only need to put RJ Celebrini at the top, and yeah. then you move right yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Blake, you've spent too much time in that TSN newsroom and they said, we have to ask a question to get clicks. <laughs> <laughs> what list are we putting out? Yeah, we oh, yeah, yeah. We're short on lists. lists here. Hey, maybe you can oh. shed some light on the uh, the Hunter Brustevich soap opera here. Do you think Hunter Brustevich is being punished for leaving the U United States National Development Team by not getting invited to that U.S. preliminary camp? I just got twigged by this, by, by you talking about the, uh, the Hughes brothers playing in Ontario. As... Uh, Brustevich is now, of course, after leaving the U.S. development program. Do you think he's uh, getting invited if he had stayed with the program? Yes, I do. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, as you know, the Americans had got, you know, they deserve it. They're very proud of what they've done in Plymouth, Michigan. They've done an amazing job. By the way, in so many ways, they copied what we did. We just didn't have it a permanent place to do it. Yeah, they centralized uh, it. Yeah, they centralized it, and and uh, and it was the late Jim Johansson that that did most of that heavy lifting in order to do it, and, and including Greg Cronin, who's now the coach in Anaheim, was a big part of that. But I, I think that they there are times where they they try to promote the college programs across the United States. And um, and turn their noses up at at what the Canadian Hockey League has done for for junior hockey players and for American-born junior hockey players. All you have to do is look at some of the great Americans that have played junior hockey and ask, did they play in the World Junior Hockey Championships? And if you Google that and you say, well, he didn't play there, you have to think that there has been a a frame of mind when it comes to what the program stands for and how they try to propagate it. They do have OHL players on the team, but it seems more that the fact that he was he with defected. the program and then yeah. left it is the is more the issue, right? Like they really feel left at the altar here, and uh, and yet it just stands out like a sore thumb. Although there are some other curious other decisions, uh, guys that were on the team the last couple of years that all of a sudden aren't on the team. So um, such is life in the World Juniors, I suppose, where these yeah. politics can play a role. I, I I can't, you know, it's funny the the World Juniors is one of those things that kind of just it doesn't creep up on you, but here we are in the first week of December and we're already talking about it. Hey, camp's it? about to break. Yeah. 
wow, it's uh, a fascinating time in our game. And I mean, it does, ma- does make you wonder what Canada is going to be without Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli, because we know they're not going to get loaned back. <laughs> no, no. Maybe, maybe another one or two guys, but not that. Two words for you. Macklin Celebrini. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. Well, I see. I, I don't even need to tweet it out or whatever you do yeah. anymore. Uh, I'll just I'll just I'll give Sakaris the credit when I'm on the beach in 2030. There you go. Uh, let's ask you our poll question today. Ben and get enough credit here for uh, assembling this core. Same guy that uh, drafted Jake Vertanen and Jake Mc- and Jared McCann. Mm-hmm. And Ole oh. Levy. Mm-hmm. The the misses are big. The misses are loud. And we yeah. dwell on them because, quite frankly, if those three picks hit, and well, McCann did hit, they just traded him. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think Jared, Jared McCann needed to grow because uh, I, I like Jared McCann as a player. I think Jared McCann needed to grow up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he was rushed to the NHL, John. He had no business being here that that first year. That's right. And mm-hmm. and uh, it, the Jake story is another story for another day, but. Um, I, I think it's actually far too early to to talk about what what Jim did. I mean, ask ask me in uh, in March when the team is close to clinching a playoff spot. There are some good draft picks, and I think the best one of all, when you think about it, and, and you know, it's funny what, what you remember. I remember standing in the uh, lobby of a hotel in Chicago with Pat Brisson. He introduced me to about five foot six Quinn Hughes. Uh, and said, this guy's going to be drafted. It looks like Vancouver uh, at that point. But I think the Thatcher Demko draft is the smartest one. You know, I, I think when you look at what they've done and how important goaltending is and how patient they were with Thatcher Demko, all those draft picks that, that Jim did uh, with his staff, uh, I, I would look and pinpoint the Demko draft pick as the one that has probably been the most impactful. And that's not knocking Pedersen that's not knocking Hughes or any of the other guys but you know you can have all those great players and not have good goaltending and and not me in the playoffs Demko has proved to me that he was he's the real deal and Jim Benning deserves credit for sticking with it and drafting him at high in the second round well it's funny because Blake and I were at that draft in Philadelphia and uh, you know as the end of the first round was happening they had that Jared McCann pick we wondered about Demko then if I'm not mistaken because he was the one goaltender one of a couple of goaltenders who looked like they might be first round picks that year and then when we had a chance to sleep on it we're like wow I wonder if they get this Demko with the early uh, second round pick and sure enough and Quinn Hughes, I will remember it to my last day. He walked into a little conference room at a hotel in Dallas where Blake and I were broadcasting. And we too had been sort of, look, it's very possible this guy will be the Canucks pick. He sat down, Blake. We finished the interview. We looked at each other and went, are you kidding me? That's going to be the seventh overall pick. And then he just looked like a boy. He was a little boy. Oh, my yeah. God. Um, but and of course, the, whole, the whole exercise here, John, is, hey, John, Jim Benning clearly wasn't much for team building. Like, he couldn't figure out how to build the whole team. But we said going in when he first got the job that he was a scout. And, you know, again, his hits were hits. His misses were misses. But he he did at least have enough hits here that they still form the core of what is currently the Vancouver Canucks. Well, and, and if you look at Jim Benning's impact, not just in Vancouver, but you look at it for a certain point in Buffalo uh, and certainly in Boston, when he was with the Bruins, he, with Peter Shirelli, he, he, he did a really good job of 
of draft evaluation and understanding what made a, a, a solid NHL pro from a draft perspective. Um, there are just some times where, whether it's the Peter principle or other issues that perhaps great scouts shouldn't be general managers. I, I, right now you have to point at the uh, recently departed Pierre Dorian in, in Ottawa too. Great scout, not a great manager. Mm-hmm. Um, the salary cap, it's going up to 87.7. How much? First of all, John, I'm so pleased to hear this news specified, like that the commissioner isn't talking around it. And I say that because, like, Blake and I have always sat there and said, I can't believe this league releases the spending limit so late in the year when you have so many moves in season that would be uh, really helped out by knowing no, what they're allowed to yes. spend. But again, this, this, one is the res- this is the residue of the CBA. This is when um, the, the Players Association automatically have the elevator click in. And that elevator is 5%. Mm-hmm. And so you take what the cap is now, you multiply it by 0.05, and that's your improved cap. Um, and I think this really speaks to, in many ways of the relationship between Marty Waltz at the Players Association and the New York office. I think that there's a, a, a very positive relationship going on right now, and both sides are, are pointed in the right direction. That's not to knock what Don Fear did, because in theory, we did have some level of labor peace for a long period of time. Uh, but at the same time, this appears to be a, a new style relationship. Bill Daly was on our show, gosh, 10 days ago, and he talked about this is the best level of cooperation and communication they have had between the Players Association and the league since he's been at the NHL office. So I think that speaks to it, and I think that that's why it's able to be out there this early that both the Players Association and the league are on the same page. No work stoppages just for sport? Really? Could we possibly avoid that? That would be uh, be something else. Have you, you heard remember me... when we didn't have player strikes? Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I, I well, we don't have player strikes in this league. Well, we, we did once. We had one. I was yeah. part of it. I was working yeah. for a hockey club, and we were and and for ten days we wondered if we were going to finish the NHL season in 1992. So yeah. the um, do, do you get the feeling that some people might be disappointed by this increase? We did hear a number as big as five million, and it falls short of that. Um, have you heard any disappointment from anybody? No, not yet. Mind no. you, it's early, and with the with the fact that the governor's meetings are in Seattle, no, I mean, later, by no. the time all the news came out, half the people were who were not involved in the meetings were asleep. So, mm. uh, I, I don't listen. I, I think that play, I think managers and ownership have been planning for something between four and five million dollars. Yeah. Uh, mind you, lots of teams have already spent it. You know, when you look at this one here. <laughs> well, and, and, and the Maple Leafs with the new Austin Matthews contract and, and what the heck's going to happen with the William Nylander contract. And, you know, so it, it's not as if it's going to open up a lot of money for new players. It's probably been going to allow them to sign their veteran players to longer term deals in order to keep their core groups together. Why are the governors in Seattle? Let's. Was West Palm Beach full? Was the Breakers full, John? Like, I, I, no, I grace us out here in the Pacific time zone. I, I, in I, I, December, I did, 
I did check the weather. It was a little warmer in Boca. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine. Seattle. Um, two, first of all, I hit, when, when Seattle got its team, they were promised one of these things. Uh, and I believe this is all part of the hype about the Winter Classic. Winter Classic, gotcha. You know, and so this is trying to put a focal point on the Pacific Northwest uh, for the next month when it comes to the National Hockey League and the mm -hmm. Seattle-Vegas game on January 1st. Our first, our first chance to talk to you since the Nikita Zadorov trade. What did you make of it for the Canucks? Well, you know, I don't think they gave up very much. Uh, they got more physical. They obviously got bigger. Uh, and they were the only team prepared to take the whole salary. And I think that's the, that's, that's the biggest difference. Toronto could not take the whole salary. They were trying to get the Flames to take some. So that's a factor. And I think anybody else was... Um, anybody else was probably hoping that the, the Flames would retain. And when they when the Canucks traded Beauvillier, that became a pretty obvious scenario where they could actually take the whole thing. And to me, it makes sense. I, you, you can't help but like what it does to the depth of the Canucks defense. Um, you know, he's not Bobby Orr, you know, um, but he's he's a good, solid defenseman. He will buy in to what's going on there. I do think it's important that there are two other Dan Milstein clients on the roster. And I think it's a win-win. I, I think that that's a, that, that's a positive position that the Canucks are going into as we get into the holiday season. So the first domino drops there in Calgary, and then they get the bad turn of fortune yesterday. David Jacob Markstrom catches a puck in practice. We find out he's broken a finger. He's week to week here. So where does Conroy and the flames go from here? Because, you know, part of the information we were getting earlier in the season was that some of these UFAs have to be dealt with and sorted even, you know, despite of record, which is a little better now than it was earlier. He, he, the, here's the interesting thing. First of all, from the goalie perspective, um, you know, Dustin Wolf's been recalled. Dan Vladar and Dustin Wolf will uh, will do the job properly. You know, they're they're a good. That's a good tandem too. I I, I think if Craig Conroy had his way and he could get rid of Arkstrom contract, he'd be happy with Vladar and Wolf being his goaltenders. I think the biggest issue now is um, once the team pulled those contract offers off the table, particularly the one to Noah Hannafin, this was a signal that. The franchise is going to wait and see. Where will they be on January 1st, January 15th? Were they going to be competitive? Ryan Huska has done a really good job of making this team much more competitive in the last 10 games than they were in the first 10 games. Now they're in that, they're on the cusp of being a, a playoff team, but ownership is in a in a really hard line position. Ownership does not want to spend the money at this point. And I think that it's not Craig Conroy as much as it is Murray Edwards making making a few of these financial decisions to say, you know, we're we're going to do it and we're going to be hardline for a while. The, as well as the Flames have played and they've been impressive at times, yet disappointing at times. I, I think that the 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 personality of the team and the success of the team has put them in a bit of a state of confusion of what the team really is. Can they make the playoffs now? How difficult will it be to make the playoffs? Or are, are they going to have to do the, quote, retool, rebuild scenario in the next six months? 
Is Chris Tanev? I don't think they know the answer right now, guys. Is Chris Tanev going to be wearing a Leaf jersey in the new year, or a Canucks jersey, or maybe both? Because maybe he goes one place at the deadline and one place in the summer. What do you think? Yeah, I, I again, I, I think it, it's dictated by whether the team is prepared to take a chance on having some of these guys try to get them to the playoffs. And I don't think that they, I really don't think they've made that decision yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I shudder to think what the Flames defense will be without Chris Tanev. Look at their record. I don't have it in front of me, but I can tell you right now, without Chris Tanev in the lineup, they are not a very good hockey club. You know, look at the playoff series. When Chris Tanev doesn't play, they do not perform very well in the playoffs. So I shudder to think what that team would be without Chris Tanev. We saw it here in Vancouver too, John. It's just when a guy is that all in on one side of the puck and you rely on him so much to play the tough defensive matchups, to penalty kill. Of course, he never takes penalties. He's a either. runner. He's just a runner yeah. for the team. So uh, yeah. I hear what you're saying. Um, is this about the Coyotes and potentially finding a parcel of land here to get give yet another arena a go? And in they're the a good team, particularly with the way they're playing yeah. right now uh, and Connor Ingram, who's doing great work in their crease. I will believe it when I see it. Yeah, as um, you should. Uh, I'm skeptical still. Uh, The one thing I have been told is uh, the next time, if there is a next time for the Coyotes in the Phoenix area, it will not recover. It will not uh, require a plebiscite or a vote of any sort. It would be private investment and they would just do it. Yeah. Um, But I'm, I'm, I'm just a little skeptical still. I'm sorry. Yeah, And, and as you have every right to <laughs> yeah, be and exactly. Here, here's what I'll say, John, there used to be a lot of interest in the coyote saga in this market. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason was, is it was high up the list of destinations in the national hockey league that Canucks fans wanted to go see their team on the road. Of course, a lot of snowbirds down there mm-hmm. from Western Canada in the Phoenix area. Since the advent of Vegas and Seattle, you, you don't hear of that as much because now there's a day trip available to you to see your Canucks. And of course, there's a city with a little bit more to do at night than yeah, Arizona. I, that. I, 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 I can certainly see that. Billy Armstrong, and to Blake's point, has done a marvelous job with the hockey club. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Logan Cooley um, is a bright young light for that club. They have, you know, their goaltending has certainly improved. Um, you know, he, you know, he, he, it's not like a, a graveyard for contracts anymore. Uh, they have to, they've turned the corner that way. Um, but I'll tell you what, um, this ownership group, uh, I, I don't have much confidence in the fact of what they say and what they do uh, at this point. And I'd love to be proved wrong because I'd love to see the hockey team stay there and put mm-hmm. the arena in the right right part of the city. But uh, I think we're now at a show me position rather than yeah. And and, and I think quite... and by the way, I think Matt, I think the commissioner's at that position too. Wow, I really do. I really okay. do. Still carrying Voracek, Weber, and Little, but um, two of those <laughs> three are two of those Somebody three are in me. the final year. Um, <laughs> The other thing is I read a headline uh, earlier in the week that, you know, 
they might actually get active and add to this group. You'll remember yeah. several years ago it was like Taylor Hall. Add like playing players? Yeah. Wow. Well, you remember several years ago it was Taylor Hall. Like three seconds, three thirds, two fourths, two sevenths in next year's draft, then four seconds, two thirds the year after, oh then God. three seconds and two thirds the year after that. So they have a lot of draft capital to part with if they so choose those Arizona Coyotes. And they still have space. Mm-hmm. They still oh, have space. They will always have space. <laughs> <you think? laughs> Marvelous stuff, sir. Thank you for this. Until next week. Happy Tuesday, boys. Sakaris Price, Wall Center, presentation, Applewood. Auto Group. Text us 778-402-9680. Great clips. Text message inbox. Great clips. It's pretty great. Quite an extraordinary day in Vancouver sports with the Hughes Bowl at Rogers Arena. Of course, across the street, Christine Sinclair's farewell yeah. match at BC Place, Canada, Australia. Get there early, folks. Yeah, so be nuts. Great if we can get 45000 plus for... Christine's farewell match, the Burnaby and Canadian icon. Mm-hmm. And uh, what looks to be a an appetizing game at Rogers Arena. The Devils are fun. They play with a lot of speed. they got a lot of tempo, a lot of scoring. And, of course, that's one of the reasons why they've been so good against Vancouver over the years. Here's Vancouver, just not a fast team, hasn't been able to, to keep up pace-wise in these games. So looking forward to that. And, uh also looking forward, do you think we hear o- the Otani uh, decision this week? I mean, based on See, the timeline, yes, yeah. but I, I mean... I, These I, reports, he visited the Blue Jays spring training complex. I mean, boy, that's a positive sign because it almost sounds like he's checking out your, you know, his home for six weeks, right? I'm guessing he was just on vacation. That was the nearest point of contact. That's my guess. And the uh, good news is the Blue Jays have actually refurbished that facility down there in Dunedin, Florida, because I assure you the surroundings in Dunedin, Florida are not exactly most appealing. And, it's, and it was an old facility for oh, a long, for long, a long, time, long time. I mean, you're going to show him that part of the world, show him Clearwater Beach, show him St. Pete Beach. Don't sell him. Don't show him Dunedin proper. No. All right. Poll question results from Monday. We asked you, who's the best player at Rogers Arena on Tuesday night? The options were Quinn Hughes, Jack Hughes, Elias Pettersson, or other. And the winner is? Quinn Hughes. Mm -hmm. Percentage? Uh, 68. 71. Jack got 17. Pettersson just 11. Other got 1%. I added Miller and Demko Mm -hmm. on YouTube. And what did they get? Quinn 64, Jack 12, Demko 10, Pedersen 9, Miller 5. We should put Demko. Boy, one tough month for Elias Pedersen, and look at this. There was lots of write-in for Thatcher Demko on the Twitter side. There was even some write-in for JT Miller and Philip Ronick. And uh, there were others complaining that Canucks fans don't watch enough Devils games, which is probably true. Yep. Why would you ever watch a Devils game outside of well, your curiosity about the Hughes? Yeah, yeah they're I know, a fun but, team. But tough to find. You have to have the extended package. Mm. Not exactly uh, getting a lot of no, I hear you. Canadian television. 
League-wide, I think Jack wins that one. Do you? Yeah, I think Quinn still I, has I, a little ways here to go. I think Jack would have won it going into the season. For I think sure. Quinn would win yeah. it now. Quinn's had a lot of shine this year. He yeah. may have caught up. Yep. Yeah. Possible. Errors and omissions from yesterday's program. I have two, Grady. Uh, the Kansas City football team is 4-1 and one with Taylor Swift in attendance. That was the first loss against Green Bay, but great. Blake asked how many uh, wins, so it's uh, four when she's in the house. Mm-hmm. And Blake made reference to the Seattle Mariners and cap space. There is, of course, no cap in baseball now. The Mariners are absolutely a budget team. There are luxury thresholds. Sorry, I meant dollars. But there is no cap space. What do you got? Nada. Nothing? Okay. Betway bet of the daytime. Brock Purdy took a big step towards league MVP Sunday with that demolition of Philadelphia. And he's actually still the second choice for NFL MVP. At plus 450s behind Dak Prescott, who I also think is a decent bet at plus 400. But uh, give me the little extra value with the quarterback of the what may well be the top seed in the NFC, but at the very least has the buzz around the NFL as, oh, they're the best team now, San Francisco. So give me Purdy at plus 450 to win the MVP. There was uh, a time when Man United versus Chelsea would have been oh the matchup. It's 7v10 now. Mm-hmm. Can I, um, and I don't really have a uh, horse in the race. Mm-hmm. I do find myself supporting West Ham because we had a wonderful day there several years back. Uh, but I have no, I, I certainly have no allegiance in the uh, Manchester Derby. Mm-hmm. It, it's at the point though now where I would like to see United fight back a little bit. Like, God, City wins just about everything. Yeah. Like, is it not time for United to get back to standing there? Yeah, I think so. I, and, and, you know, those are... I mean, you're you're talking about arguably the biggest sports club in the world, United. It's sort of like in the 80s when the Yankees were trash. You know, like, it's it's not the same. It's just not the same when no. you see, like, the big no, exactly. brand. They're seventh in the, on the table right now. Blake, they're behind Newcastle, Tottenham, and Aston Villa. Yeah. Yeah, Villa's having a year. I mean, they're slumming it with the likes of Brighton. Anyways. Look at Chelsea. They're narrowly ahead of Brent. Well, they're tied with Brentford. Oh, my God. Narrowly ahead of Crystal Palace. What has happened to the big clubs in English football? 287. Man, you will take down Chelsea. It's like you've all just parted the sea here for City. They're at what? 287 to win. Say this, though. Arsenal and Liverpool, they've got their best foot forward. City's actually third. I'm going to guess not for long. I've seen this story several years in a row now. On your Betway bets of the day, must be 19 plus to play. Please play responsibly. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to subscribe to us, Rinkwide, and Connects Conversation wherever you get those podcasts. Follow on social. That's YouTube. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.